Orange Men in Cleveland, episode 77. Ted, I can't remember the last time we did this. It's, been, I, it's, I think it's about a month. So, did what? What are we doing? I don't remember. I don't know. It's kind of out of the mix. So, in honor of episode 77, certainly like to remember a D Day that happened back in 1941. Certainly, when 2,300 people lost their lives in Pearl Harbor. I like to remember that. And also, Episode 77 is going out to Wyatt Teller and Dick Shafraff of the Browns. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was waiting for you to throw Lyle Alzado in there, but those are the guys you mentioned. That's quite quite notable as well. That is a really good one. So you and I always like to do a little prep before the show. And I look at our screen page today and you've done a nice job. Topics. It says COVID which I know is something we don't like to talk about a lot because everyone talks about it, but I guess you and I have to talk about COVID today. I think we do. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'd be why we weren't here for, uh, did we miss one show or two? I don't even know. I think we missed a lot. Yeah. So, well, yeah, we, we both got COVID. I don't know how that happens because we don't, uh, we, we actually are in each other's presence what once a week once every two weeks maybe uh, it's more like once every two weeks yeah but the part that's really interesting is that you called me up it was on a <laughs> tuesday yeah and you go i don't feel very well i have covid and i said to you um well that's coincidental because so do i yeah so <laughs> yeah that was uh let's just say it's an interesting 10 days i know yeah. uh I laid on the couch for two and felt utterly useless and then felt better after a while. Um, the highlights during those 10 days of being in quarantine were uh, watching 80 sporting events. Yes, 80. you heard me. 80. Wow. So that's that's what I got. But thanks to uh, AON, she took care of me, made me food. So that was wonderful. Yeah. And I just kind of hung out in our family room. How about how about your experience? I, I felt like I was in prison. Yeah, you know. I'm in the, I'm in, in the bedroom and I would call my wife on her cell phone and say, Hey, you know, can I have some soup or, you know, I didn't have much of an appetite. She'd say, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll send something up. And so a few minutes later, knock at the door. And one of my children would say room service and that'd be <laughs> it. And they'd, they'd leave and then I'd go open the door and pick up on the floor, whatever, you know, whatever she'd made. So I didn't really see anybody for a while. I, I FaceTimed a couple times and I tried to play. You can play the Xbox through your phone. Somehow. I saw this. Yeah. yeah we tried I, to I, do I, that. It, I think I was too far away cause it didn't work. Oh, okay. But, uh, so that was, uh, that was my experience. I watched, I got lost in Facebook videos on a daily mm-hmm. basis. You know, you watch one and then it's like, oh, well, oh, this one looks interesting. I saw, I, I watched so many highlights of Gordon Ramsay yelling at, at restaurant owners. I, <laughs> I, I have my fill of that. So, yeah. well, I'm, I'm glad you're on the mend yeah. I'm better as well. And obviously as many people know, it's it's not something you could avoid. Let's be honest. No, so, it's, it's yeah. You know, I mean, 
I don't know how Eowyn didn't get it at your house. Everybody in our house got it. Our kids were uh, had no symptoms. My wife didn't have it as bad as I did, I don't think. But, you know, she wasn't feeling great. So, yeah. I, I just don't understand the whole thing because the weekend before, I had the opportunity to go to Cincinnati, who's one of the four teams in the college football playoff. That's exciting. So I watched one of their games with uh, friends and Eowyn and her son. And of the eight people that went to the football game, I'm the only one that got COVID. Awesome. So, there you You're go. Lucky. There you go. You're lucky. All right. Well, uh, so enough about COVID. We're just going to. So so that's where we've been. We're on the mend. We're back. And coming up on this week's show, more good news, not just about us, but uh, this is good news about a football team that made it to the championship game. This is a very unique team. and We're going to explain what that means. Steve Muehlhausen is ready to get in the ring and talk some wrestling news. Ken is ready with another You Can Really Buy This. In Klopp's Clips, a man used an interesting method to try and rid a house of a snake infestation with, shall we say, less than stellar results. In Cleveland sports, Dusty Sloan is going to talk about the Browns and a record number of penalties. How about that? Beautiful. And in Cleveland history, John Grabowski is here to talk about one of the great bakeries Cleveland once had, Huff Bakeries. A lot of memories there. And we will reminisce with John. All that and more coming up. And now, a woman's perspective. Why are men like parking spaces? The good ones are already taken. This has been A Woman's Perspective. Time for another bit of Cleveland history, and our Cleveland historian, John Grabowski, has joined us, and we decided that we'd talk about Huff Bakeries this time, John. Uh, I recall, and I'm sure Ken will recall as a young boy, Huff Bakeries had a strong presence in the Cleveland area. I think they were in just about every mall. And I know we would go and I would, I knew that was a, uh, a targeted spot. If my mom would take me to the mall was where is Huff Bakeries and how many cookies can I pretty please my way into? So uh, what, what's the origin of Huff Bakeries uh, here in Cleveland? Well, it's, it's, it's actually, well, it's named after the street. It was located at, uh, on 86th and Huff Avenue. And uh, it was started in 1902 by Lionel Pyle. And uh, it was just a neighborhood bakery uh, for the Huff neighborhood. And the Huff neighborhood at that time was upper middle class uh, and a lot of business blocks along the street. And by 1930, uh, basically, Pyle had begun to do catering. Uh, which was another aspect of the bakery. And then he had four sons. And uh, Robbie Pyle is the one that many Clevelanders remember. He was uh, one of the last owners. So by the uh, 1940s, 1950s, it was basically not only bakery that was sold at the bakery shop, but they began to branch out. And then you also had this incredible catering. And so, you know, there are a lot of caterers around now. You see their trucks all the time. Uh, but in the 50s and 60s and the 70s, if you wanted to be, if you wanted to have your party catered by the best, it was Huff that, that you went to. And uh, and I can recall that at events at the Historical Society back at that time when uh, 
when we would have an event there and would be Huff uh, catering. And uh, Robbie Pyle, the, the son, knew everybody in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, I've got some figures here. If we're looking at it. Uh, by 1973, Huff had annual sales of $12 million and 1,000 employees. Whoa. In the 80s, it had 28 separate branch stores in Cleveland, 14 supermarket units, six outlets and make company stores, and three surplus thrift outlets. And so it was really rolling along, but then it got caught up in the competition. And, and the competition was producing, I wouldn't say equal quality goods, but goods at a cheaper price. And so they began to lose out. And, and eventually it, it would go bankrupt. Uh, the family sold, that was losing money, it sold the, uh, the, the franchise to America Foods in uh, 1900, uh, 1990. And then in 1992, uh, it basically went into Chapter uh, 7 bankruptcy. Now, many people will remember that the main Huff plant was an old star banking plant. It was on Lakeview Avenue, uh, just at the edge of Cleveland, East Cleveland. And that building is still there. And one of the good pieces of news that I've seen lately is they're going to try to restructure that building into a series of small outlets and perhaps a bakery. Uh, so it's... And, and actually, the, the recipes have been sold to, uh, oh gosh, who's the recipe? I, I think uh, Kraft General Foods holds the rights mm -hmm. to Huff Bakery uh, recipes. And wow. so you'll begin to see some of this stuff pop up again, not made by Huff, but made by Kraft General Foods. So it's like Euclid, each, Euclid Beach popcorn balls. Yes. Here, even though the beach is gone. Wow, that's really cool. John, my only question for you, what, what a great information, by the way. We really appreciate that. With Huff Bakeries, were they one of the first ones you talked about going into supermarkets? Were they kind of the first ones when it came to food items to kind of do a distribution? I, I don't know. Uh, you, know and I, you know, memory says that that's the ones that, 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 that I saw there, but, you know, we're talking about the topic, so that's may, maybe where I'm going. But, uh, you know, the link to the supermarket was really big. And what it was doing, of course, was as the city began to move out, as, as the central city emptied out and people went to the suburbs, they were still keeping that clientele by having the business spread out into the regional supermarkets. Yep. Smart now, move, but eventually they got undercut. Yep. Hey, uh, John, one final question. Uh, Archie Garner. Are you familiar with that name? Yes, I've, I've seen that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, he worked there. He was a pastry chef. And I know you said that uh, the rights, the recipes have been sold, but I guess he has his own uh, has bakery his own, of sorts? He has his own. He carries it on. He was a Huff employee for years. And, and so people are going to buy from, from Archie now. Yeah. Archie Garner. Okay. Wow, so cool. so there's a, that's another place that you can still go to enjoy some of those uh, find things that you may have enjoyed a few years yeah. ago. Um, yeah, it's I'm scrolling through the pictures here and uh, my mouth is watering uh, as we speak. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Boy, wow. No, and, and the to... question is, he spent a lot of years working for Huff, so you don't have to wonder 1,000 employees and where did they go? Yeah, right. Wow. And that's uh... Well, that's one outlet, Archie's Huff Bakery in Beechwood, Ohio, and uh, there's a little history on one of the uh, more uh, tasty bakeries that uh, used to be here in Cleveland, uh, Huff Bakeries. And John, we thank you for your time. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go and get a snack right now. Yeah. <laughs> Ted, we have some great news and good news. 
A varsity football team in California has gone 12 and 0. Oh, congratulations. Okay. The limited 23 player roster and their coach are all deaf. Wow. Ooh. They don't play in a hard of hearing league. They are beating hearing teams. How about that? Sometimes by huge margins, all the while using American Sign Language to communicate on the field. Wow. That is unbelievable. The Cubs varsity team from Riverside, California has no pedigree of has. Let's try that again. The Cubs varsity team from Riverside, California have no pedigree of success. They've lost every single game from the previous seven seasons. The incredible transformation landed the school in the championship game for the first time in its history and has drawn an endless stream of well wishes and messages, including from NFL franchises. Ah. The Cinderella story was not to have the most storybook of endings as the Cubs fell short in the final against Faith Baptist, who made the final 18 times in the last 37 years. This, to me, seems like just a movie waiting to happen. Yeah, absolutely. A team with all deaf players playing against teams that can hear and you go 12 and 0. That, yeah. that, that's unbelievable. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's, that is pretty amazing. Of all the different things in football with sounds and all that. And you have a, you have a team that's completely deaf that competes at a very high level. That, that is just some great. News. Time to get in the ring. Steve Muehlhausen from the zone. D a Z N.com is with us to, Give us some highlights from the last little bit of time here in professional wrestling. And Steve, I, I know that John Moxley is, you know, as we've heard uh, from AEW, they were very open about it. He went to them and said he needed to go to rehab. Now I saw a report that his rehab is actually being paid for by WWE. So I wanted to, uh, you know, we give them a hard time for a lot of, uh, the decisions that they make, but uh, I wanted to get some clarification. Do you have, is that, is that the case? What are you hearing? 110% correct. And, and kudos, you know, they get a WWE gets a lot of flag and more often than not, it is rightfully deserved, you know, but the way they do these with when present past or present talent, need to go to rehab, I give them all the credit in the world because they're right on top of that. And they take that very seriously. Well, the thing I commend them. The thing that's amazing to me is here's a guy who's under contract for the rival promotion and uh, didn't exactly leave WWE on the best of terms. I don't know that it was horrible, but he... he he wasn't the most complimentary guy on the way out, but you know, no. they, 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 they're doing right by him. You know, they, even though he, I'm about halfway through his book, he trashes some pretty good. In the book. Okay. And, you know, I find it all oh, the higher ups, not the talent in general. He loved the talent, but I think it also just shows how much a, they take that stuff seriously. And I think B, how much respect they have for him and they have for Renee. And that's a testament to the both of them. You know, it's the one thing I know Vince is always good about is he knows how to push that stuff off of this, especially for the bigger stars. 
the guys that you know that have made him money, the where he, he can put the personal stuff aside and the professional stuff aside, and you can just look at the overall person. Yeah. And he's always been very good about that. I, I commend Vince, you know, we sandbag Vince, and rightfully so, 95% of the time. But this is the stuff that doesn't, that should not go unnoticed. And I give a ton of credit to WWE, and in particular, Vince McMahon. And hopefully we see more of that. Like if it's like a Jericho or, you know, a Hager or someone of that nature, hopefully they get, if they ever needed help like that, hopefully they would do the same thing. Yeah, I, th- I, I agree with you, Steve. I just think that's great. Well, sticking with the WWE, Brock Lesnar, obviously a name many people know. He is back on SmackDown and cut an unbelievable promo uh, not too long ago. That was absolutely amazing. Question that I have, why hasn't he done more of his own talking until now? I mean, my gosh, that was awesome. I remember, and I, I remember talking to Heyman it was maybe, I think it was around WrestleMania. This was six. I'm trying to think of WrestleMania 15, 31, 2015, when he first faced Roman Reigns. And I asked Paul that. And I had heard the story before, but I wanted to hear Paul say it. And he said, when Brock came back initially in 2012, he was, Brock was cutting cut a couple promos and Brock just didn't feel comfortable. So Brock went to Vince. He's like, I want Heyman. Bring him back. And that's how it, it was literally as simple as that, you know, because Brock's a soft-spoken guy. Like, towards the end of his UFC run, Brock, you know, started doing more interviews, being more vocal about stuff. But it's different than when you're getting into wrestling. And he just didn't feel comfortable. He wanted Paul. And now that – and you could even see it towards the end of the last run he had. He was starting – the little the times he would talk, you could tell he was comfortable. And with this run, it just works out where Paul's aligned with Roman and, you know, Brock's a baby face. And, and you're just letting him be Brock. Mm-hmm. When he says he doesn't know Sami Zayn's name, I'm, I'm half-hearted. I'm believing that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because Brock goes to Canada he's, or, or when he's in Minnesota, and he's a very secluded. Yeah. He doesn't like interacting with the world too much. And, <laughs> but he can cut a promo. Yeah. And the promos he's cut have been fantastic. He doesn't have to say much. He no. says enough. Yeah. He says enough. I know Paul does still help him out. Paul's like, in terms of delivery and how to go about saying the right things and whatnot. I, mean, I know Paul's still helping him because I, I've talked to some people there and that's what they told me. But he's just, he's having fun. This is all this is, is to him. This is now just him having fun. He doesn't need the money. He loves the money. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't want anyone to misconstrue what I just said, but you can tell he's having the time of his life. He's having a great time. He's working with people he res- tremendously respects. He respects the hell out of Roman Reigns. Him and Paul Heyman are past friends. So it's like when you get to work with your buddy, you get to work with someone you truly, truly respect. And someone, yeah, he's your rival. But at the end of the day, they're still they still have a very good, friendly, and cordial relationship. So he's cutting great promos, and Reigns is cutting great promos. Paul's cutting great promos. I have to say, it's the best thing WWE's had in a long time, and it's after what I watched last night. So I, I'm looking forward to Friday nights. 
nice. more often than not. So, well, it's great work so far by Brock Lesnar. One late breaking story that we want to just uh, see if there's anything new on happened <clears throat> over the weekend. Uh, Jeff Hardy uh, walked out on a match at a house show. Uh, you hearing anything about what the deal is there? I, I see that WWE sent him home. And any any more insight in there before we get to our wrestling rewind? I saw what happened when I got back into my room late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. I sent a couple messages when I was at the Las Vegas airport on Sunday morning. They, some people there did get back to me saying what you guys said. They sent them home. He didn't look to be in the right frame of mind. And he went through with the match, and then he skedaddled. So as of right now, he's at home. They sent him home. That is correct. Um, the only other thing I know, and I sent the message this morning, and all, and I because I asked, is he going to be on SmackDown? And they didn't know. Hmm. Okay. So right now it's, and then I followed up with, is he suspended? And they said no. So. I don't know. He's in a program right now with, with Corbin and Moss. So I think Smack Friday night, major more will come out, but as of 1145 Eastern, 1045 <laughs> Central, he is in North Carolina. He's at home. He's, he's with his family. He's not suspended, and it's unclear if he's going to be at SmackDown. But he's had issues in the past, substance abuse issues, alcohol issues. It's a, and you guys notice just from what you guys do as well outside of this that, you know, it's a hour by a minute by minute, an hour by hour, a day by day, and you're dealing with substance abuse, mm-hmm. and alcohol abuse. And you know he's trying, trying his hardest. You know, this isn't, I don't compare this to a, and I've seen some people compare it to Jake Roberts and Scott Hall, and I think it's completely different. Because he's willing, even while battling this, has been wanting to get the help. Or or Jake and Scott for the longest time refused to admit they really, truly needed help. He's trying to figure it out. And I hope he does figure it out for the sake because he's he's got kids. You guys Mm -hmm. got kids. I'm a father Mm -hmm. as well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're, we're all married. And for take out the wrestling stuff, that's. That's just whatever, you know, at this stage, more about getting, being right and working through your demons and taking it minute by minute, day by day and hour by hour. And hopefully he's doing that and hopefully he's going to be okay. Because at the end of the day, there's many more important things in our jobs. Sure. You know, if you don't, if you're not good personally and men, if you're not good mentally, you know, everything you have to take care of that first before you can worry about anything else. So hopefully Jeff's going to be okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hit our wrestling rewind now, November 26th, 1987. Steve, does that ring any bells for you? Starcade. Well, not exactly. Star- That's the first ever survivor series, which happened Right down the road here, before Cleveland got Gundarina, we had the Coliseum, 21,000-plus people in attendance for the first-ever Survivor Series. 
saw uh, a tag team uh, Survivor Series match, a ladies Survivor Series match, and two uh, singles men's Survivor Series match. And the big, the big selling point was the first in-ring meeting between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant since WrestleMania three. And Hogan, I think, got disqualified or counted out or something. He didn't get pinned, but he wound up eliminated. And Andre was the sole survivor. So they put Andre over. And then, of course, uh, Hulk came back out and attacked. And Hogan must pose. So he did. But that was uh, quite a night. Uh, do you do you recall that card? Do you have any uh any thoughts on that? Before we go there, did you guys go to that Survivor Series? I did not, but I'll uh-huh. tell you, I made darn sure I got my parents to buy the pay-per-view and I had my VCR set and we recorded because we were going to be <laughs> home and I was just like, hit that record button. We're, we're getting this. Oh, man, was I excited. Did it record right, Ted? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ken, did you, uh, did you see that? I saw it. I didn't see it live. I saw it later, but no, I do remember watching that. Okay. What was it called? The Richfield Coliseum? Richfield Coliseum. Yeah. Richfield Coliseum. That is sad that I know that. Yeah. We know that, guys. It's sad that we know that. We truly, what I, you know what? The weird thing was a couple weeks ago when I was, I was at, uh, was in Las Vegas for a, a boxing fight and, I watched during my because I had some good amount of downtime that weekend the week I was there and I started watching old Survivor Series and <laughs> I watched that one. Yeah, wow. Just because cool. I'm like, you know what? I've never I don't rem- I didn't remember I'd watched it so long ago when I was a kid. I, like you guys, I got it when the VHS came out and I hit the video the blockbuster video and I was that kid and that was something. You know, the yeah. word then, it was just literally, uh, I'm not afraid to say it, it was a circus, three-ring circus. Oh, yeah. And everyone ate it up. And as did I, it brought me back to being a little kid. And yeah. it was, it's, a, it was, it's a fun show. It's a fun watch. It, yeah. You know, I know WWE gets crapped on, and that is what it is. But back at that time, no one knew better. Right. It, was, it was just a fun watch. Yeah. And that's what it was. Even 30... 34 years later, it was still a fun watch. And yeah. Did you, were you guys the kids that had like the wrestling figures and the little ring and everything? Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Oh, oh awesome. absolutely. Yep. I think okay. my mom still has those, yeah. those figurines. So, yeah. My mom, th- my mom threw them out when I was like 17. My parents didn't did like you- it that I kept taking the figure and pulling them under the rope and Slinging them, you know, <laughs> shooting them out. They go flying. Don't do that. But uh, yeah. Well, Steve, if Did folks guys... want to follow you, how would they, uh, where, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm, I'm getting more into this Instagram nonsense, and it's actually kind of working. <laughs> so it's you fun. can find me on there at S. Mealhouse and JR. It's S M U E H L H A U S C N J R. But the zones made me nudge me to want me to use it a little more. So I use it a little more. I'm not still on it like every day, but 
when I make shows and events, I make sure I use it. I don't check it often. I just don't find the need for it. But I'm mainly on Twitter pretty often throughout the day. Um, I'm off till Thursday. So this has been great. I've been off since Sunday. So this is nice. kind of fabulous. Oh, good for so, you. Well, actually, I take that back. Monday morning, because I had to work Sunday night. I take that back. So, but I'll have some stuff this week. Really nothing going on on the wrestling front. So I'm not really going to. AEW's got a big show this weekend, Wednesday. Um, I'm looking forward to that. And that big show in Long Island, I think that's going to be, they're going to have over about 9,500 people where WWE struggled to get like 4,500. So I think that's going to be a big show for AEW. I'm really looking forward to that show on Wednesday. And we can see what happens with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Brock Lesnar's back on Friday. So that should be some fun. And I think we got a good week coming up here in wrestling. And I think an NXT that I think is going to be very interesting tonight. This could be the last time we see Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano. So I think it's going to be a, this is a fun week coming up in wrestling. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for getting in the ring, Steve. We appreciate it. All right, guys. I'm glad you guys are back healthy, better than ever. And we'll talk real soon. Ted, one of your favorite segments. You can really buy this. We've had some great items in the past. A box of nothing, which has been wrapped up for you. <laughs> also some amazing places that I you could take your wife for a very I, romantic. I need evening. something for Christmas. Do you have something Christmas related? Well, this is what I've done. I, I could not basically narrow things down to one item. So I'm going to give you something called Christmas Gold. Hmm. where I have multiple items that you can buy that I think some of it you would have an interest with. And I'm just going to read them off. And if you want to find out more, you know the sites to go on to find them. Yeah. So let's start off with an item that I think would be great. This fits in for what you guys do with your family. I know you like blow-ups. It's a giant inflatable bottle of ranch dressing that you put in (laughs) front of your house. I think that would be awesome. Oh, a wine bottle stopper that looks like a mouse. That's another option for okay. you. Okay. A Christmas sweater, which I know is a fan favorite for many different people. We've done that at our house before. But this is a, a sweater of a hairy Santa body. Not that would be hairy a little bit different. Santa body. Yep. I don't know if you could wear that to church, but it kind of be cool at home. Um, knowing that you're a Star Wars fan, a Death Star tree topper, mm. which would be kind of cool. I know you like that. Yeah. I also found that you can buy a snowman bong. So that's that's an option. I know that's something you like to do very often. Oh, yeah. A baseball hat with a chalkboard on it. That's another option for you. A mug that I know I can give to many different people. A mug that says, I'm a douche. That's also an option. <laughs> a butt towel. It's literally a towel with a butt on it. I know oh. that's a fan favorite for some. A yeah. prank pregnancy test. That's always a nice gift. Okay. A lot of bacon items this year. We're loaded up with bacon items. We can get a bacon lollipop. Bacon A's. Do you know what bacon A's is? Uh, no. Bacon mayonnaise. <laughs> bacon sunscreen is also another option for you. Oh. So if you like bacon, you have many different options this year for Christmas. Okay. Um, I was thinking about giving you the Chewbacca seatbelt cover. I thought you would enjoy that. Okay. And if that doesn't do it for you, caffeinated marshmallows. That always seems like a nice idea. I know that would work well with both of our kids. That would be outstanding. 
Um, a 26-pound gummy bear. Okay. That'd be kind of fun. A Titanic gravy boat. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Yeah. A Star Wars lightsaber keys. Pizza cologne. That's also an option. And my favorite, this could be my favorite, rotisserie chicken candy canes. Boom. There it is. <laughs> so I call that Christmas gold. You can check out all that stuff on your favorite sites. You know the big one that you could find. That's yeah, right. I, we need they're to, all available for you. So we need to, uh, maybe for April Fools, we should uh, maybe give the the prank uh, pregnancy tests to our uh, our significant others and see what kind of reaction we get. We can report back here on the show. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it might be difficult in many different ways, but that would be interesting. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking of myself. My gift for you would be the giant inflatable bottle of ranch dressing and just okay. put it in front of your house, blown up. I think that yeah. would be amazing. That, I, I agree. I agree. I there are so many. I'll have to do some thinking. There were so many in there. I'll have to figure out which one I would say would be my gift to you. I don't know. I can't wait to put bacon sunscreen on your back this year for thank you. Summer. Yes. All right. Well, well, Ted, there it is. Christmas gold. And once again, you can really buy this. And time for another overachiever. Staying with the Christmas theme, Tim Gay of LaGrangeville, New York, and his family. They go all out on their Christmas light display each year. 2012, the family set a Guinness World Record. The most lights on a residential property with 346,283. <laughs> they topped it two years later with 601,736. Oh. That is until now. Wow. Tim Gay says this year's display features. 687,000 lights. Oh, my gosh. The display does also serve as a fundraiser for local charities, including the Union Vale Fire Department's Community Fund, family hoping to raise a half million bucks for them this year. Wow, that's great. That's cool that they do it as a fundraiser. But what do you think the electric bill is? Uh, I mean, well, be... I, I think I think you probably have to have a different, you know, some extra electricity run to your house. And then the question that I would have is, I hope the strands aren't too long because, you know, you, you have one, one, one bulb goes out. <laughs> oh, my God, I have to go through all 687,000 to find the bad one. What if you're like the next door neighbor? I mean, this would be like Christmas vacation where the light just shines directly into your window. Yeah. All day and night. And it's like you're, you know living in Alaska where it's daylight all the time. That's you just... need some of those, um, the blinds that are, uh, Oh yeah. Really thick ones. Yep. Yeah. Blackout, the blackout. blackout. Shade. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. what it is. Holy cow. All right. Well, there's, uh, there's a little Christmas lighting, uh, and another overachiever. This is for you. Another edition of this. Well, let's try that again. Another edition of Cleveland sports history. That means only one thing. 
the very famous Dusty Sloan, our Cleveland sports historian, <laughs> joins us once again. And Dusty, we'll take a look at another Cleveland Browns historic time, 1951. This happened in November 25th. The Cleveland Browns were penalized a record <clears throat> 209 yards against the Chicago Bears. Seems like that's a bit of an issue with this current Browns, but talk about the amount of penalties that the Browns committed in this game against the Bears. 209. That's insane. That's crazy. That is an awful lot of yards. Now, looking at this box score as a whole, there are a lot of notable things here. First of all, it is that record 209 yards and penalties. The Browns were penalized 21 times in that game. Oh, my so, God. So think about that. In a four-quarter game, you're getting penalized more than five times every quarter wow. when you don't want to be penalized five times in a game. No. Number two, the Bears were penalized 16 times for 165 yards. Oh, my God. How long was that game? Like four hours? That had to it, take forever. It probably was, but that's not even the most notable thing that happened in that game. Dub Jones for the Browns scored six touchdowns in that game. Six touchdowns. Oh, He ran the ball to six, nine times for 116 yards and four touchdowns and caught three passes for another 80 yards and two more touchdowns. So you've got all these things going on. And by the way, even though we had 21 penalties for over 200 yards, we beat the Bears at home 42-21 that day to improve to 8-1. and one. So obviously there was a lot of good, and I'm sure Paul Brown didn't like a lot of the bad either. Well, Dusty, I guess the first question that comes around, and obviously there's been a lot of controversy now with officiating just because of all the different things you can see, and we have instant replay and all that time. But at that time, you have a lot of human error I mean, they obviously were calling this game by the book. If it's holding, they call holding. If it's offsides, it's offsides. Obviously, the officials weren't turning their heads at all. And the other thing is, you're playing around Thanksgiving. This was a game in November 25th. I can't imagine that the weather was all that great that day. So the, so the referees, you would think, would want to be getting out of there. But nope, they just kept throwing the flags. That's crazy. Unbelievable. I imagine after that game... Not only did the players have to ice themselves down, I think the officials probably did have to as well. So that's Those a lot right of right arms were awfully sore after that for the quarterbacks <laughs> and the rest. Oh my. Well, Dusty, thanks. Thank you once again. What a very interesting memory back from uh, November 25th from 1951 when the Cleveland Browns penalized a record 209 yards against the Chicago Bears in a victory. Dusty, thanks again. Thank you. Cleveland! This is for you! The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. Ken, here we go with the news you need but probably haven't heard. A man in China has been banned from an all-you-can-eat buffet for eating too much food. <laughs> <clears throat> Oh boy. The guy uh, live streams his eating expeditions and made two visits to the Handati Seafood Barbecue Buffet. One meal saw him eat three pounds of pork. Oh my God. A return visit had him consuming eight pounds of prawns. Oh. As a result, the owners have banned him. The man's response. I can eat a lot. Is that a fault? Oh. The owner says every time he comes in here, the restaurant winds up losing money. <laughs> they say when he drinks soy milk, he can drink 20 or 30 bottles. <laughs> when he eats the pork trotters, he consumes the whole tray of them. Oh. And as for the prawns, 
Usually people use tongs to pick them up. He uses a tray to take them all. Oh, my gosh. Well, I guess we'll have to check this out. It's a live stream, man. We'll have to yeah. check this out. I, wow. I don't have his username, but, uh, yeah. Holy cow. Not, it's all you can eat as long as you don't eat too much, apparently. Losing money. 20 yeah. to 30 bottles of soy milk. <laughs> oh, Eight geez. pounds of prawns. <laughs> a library in Idaho recently received an overdue book. This book was way overdue, 110 years overdue. <laughs> the New Chronicles of Rebecca by Kate Wigan was published in 1907, checked out of the library on November 8, 1911. The fine listed on the book states that the charge would be two cents a day for each day overdue. That'd be a, a lot of money now, except that the library did away with fines back in 2019. So, Oh, how no lucky. No wow. fine. Just a returned book. An Indian man who was declared dead after a motorcycle accident spent seven hours in a mortuary freezer. The morning after the accident, the family was filling out paperwork for an autopsy when the, the man's sister-in-law saw him moving. Doctors <laughs> and family members rushed to his side and determined that he was, in fact, alive. They immediately moved him out of the chilly setting, and uh, he's now being treated for his injuries. The head of the hospital says the guy was examined several times and declared dead because they could not find a pulse. Wow. Well, I don't know if I'd want to go to that hospital. I'll leave it. <laughs> a woman took to TikTok to say she caught her boyfriend cheating. She apparently did so after the couple synced their phones so they could compete to see who got in the most steps each day. Well, one night, uh, the boyfriend said he was going to go to sleep, but then she noticed his step count continued to go up. A little further investigation let her discover that not only was he not asleep, but he'd gone to an adult club. <laughs> when confronted, he initially refused to fess up, so the couple is no longer a couple. Oh, wow, yeah. that's not surprising. That's yeah. Get your steps in. Yeah. All right, Ken, pay attention. Now, the PFC is going to hold its first pay-per-view next month. What is the PFC? I'm sure that's the question on top of your on the top of your tip of your tongue right there. Yeah. Well, the PFC is the Pillow Fight Championship. Oh boy. The website is fightpfc.com and it's a sign up if you want to be a fighter, so, you know, sign up now. Promoting itself as the world's most exciting new combat sport. The website says PFC has quickly evolved into a very popular sports-based showcase, complete with all the strength, stamina, and strategic skills of the other more brutal combat sports, but with a massive amount of fun. CEO Steve Williams says the fighters don't like to get hurt, and there's a lot of people who don't want to see the blood. They want to see good competition. They just don't want to see the violence. The event, by the way, January 29th, 2022, in Florida. Do you think our fight guy, Steve Muehlhausen, will, will cover that? Uh, we Is should. Uh, be we'll, one of the yeah, I, I think he. I think he. I think he should. 
Will you be signing up that. to uh, be a uh, participant in the Pillow Fight Championship? I don't know if I'll participate or watch. I'm not sure. We'll see. Okay. Are you into right. pillow fighting? Is that one of your favorite things? Not. Uh, not I, I don't think my marriage would uh, last much longer if that was. Uh, <laughs> I don't think, you know, my wife, you know, there's some things my wife finds, you know, we have the same level of humor on. That's not one of them. I understand that. Would, what would Eowyn's reaction be? Do you, do you, is that a is pillow fighting? Is that something? Uh, that I occurred? think the answer would be something that Phil Collins talked about before. No, no reply. reply at no all. Reply at all. Yep. Okay. Nothing. Well, a homeowner in Maryland was using smoke to try and get rid of a snake infestation. Unfortunately, it's believed that the heat source was too close to the combustible. <laughs> it caused a fire in the walls and the ceiling area. By the time the firefighters arrived to put out the fire, the damage was about $1 million. Oh, my. Nobody was hurt. People, that is. No word on the status of the snakes. Does your insurance cover that, you think? I. <laughs> well, that's a tough one. Negligence for uh, smoking out snakes? I, I'm not sure that that's a line <laughs> that's item. Coming. That's a, that's a special policy, I think. Okay. Got to pay extra for that one. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, uh, keep your keep keep your smoke uh, away from the snakes and, and the house. And uh, we'll close up this week's collection of Klopp's Clips. What does a gingerbread man use to keep his bed warm? Keep his bed warm. I don't know. A cookie sheet. That joke was horrible. Ken, we're coming to the end of episode number 77. Hard to believe. We do have one more show before Christmas. You have any uh, notable Christmas activities you'll be taking part in uh, in the next couple of weeks? Oh, that's a good one. I think we're going to go tobogganing. Have you done mm -hmm. that? In Strongsville, we're going to go do that. And then we're going to go see a Christmas carol in uh, at the Hannah Theater. Oh, the, I like that. Those are weeks. That's awesome. So, yeah. How about yourself? We did the uh, North Pole Adventure, the train. Nice. And the kids loved it. So, yeah. That's cool. We, you, you take a train to the North Pole. The big man gets on the train and talks to you, takes your, uh, you know, your list. You make, make a make a letter while you're driving and then he gets the list. And yeah, that's cool. Pretty cool. I like that. And they, they served uh, cookies and uh, hot cocoa on the way. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. They've had that for a long time. Have they? Yeah, not? they have. The highlight yeah, for me was uh, the conductor on the way back. They were trying, they passed out a, uh, a little pamphlet and they were singing, we were singing Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were singing the 12 days of Christmas and he couldn't get the numbers in the right order. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of, that's hilarious. We were, we were a little amused by that. Well, well that was not part of the payment. You weren't paying for that. humor right there. Yeah, that's right. Well, next week on the show, we're going to talk about the local Cleveland music scene with some gentlemen from jib machine records, jib Machine records. So that'll be interesting. We'll see what's 
uh, what, you know, what, what, what's in store for the local music scene in the, in the new year. Yeah, I'm excited for that. That's something we've talked about for a while to just promoting more local groups and the local music scene being the home of the rock and roll hall of fame. We wanted to kind of get more pub for local bands and we're going to be able to do that. And then coming up, we're not going to say too much, but coming up in the 2022, which I can't believe that's it. We're going to have some more local Cleveland stuff that we're really going to focus on. So I know we've, you know, special thanks to John Grabowski and Dusty Sloan for talking about Cleveland things, but we want to try to make it more of a local show. So we're going to have some more Cleveland topics that we're going to talk about in 2022 and some great interviews. So I'm excited. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll have one more show before the big man comes. So uh, we'll make sure we're both on the uh, nice list, not the naughty list. When you say the big man, are you talking about like uh, William, the refrigerator Perry, or who are you talking about? Big daddy, big daddy. Yeah. No, I, uh, I'm talking about St. Nick, St. Nick, St. Nick, Santa Claus. I hopefully he's gotten through COVID. He's ready to rock and roll with all his reindeers and, and, and get things done. Ted, great to talk to you. It's been a month. Uh, let's not do this again <laughs> another month. Okay. That's yeah. Once let's let's not go this long next time. Just want to remind everybody. We're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two middle-aged men in Cleveland is sponsored by anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place and by Westminster AV custom audio visual packages for all occasions. <laughs>